Well, delighted to say I'm here with uh, former Wimbledon doubles champion, Freddie Nielsen. Freddie, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. Well, it's great to have you with us. Uh, we just want to talk over a lot about your career. You've won three titles, the first of which was a major, which is just astonishing. Looking back, is that the highlight of your career? Yeah, most definitely. I think one thing that I uh, started to appreciate more the later I got in my career was was winning things. The older I got, the more I realized that in tennis uh, or in sports in general, you actually don't win that much. Mm. So I started to appreciate much more that the, the stuff that I ended up winning. And uh, yeah, it goes without saying that nothing gets better than, bigger than Wimbledon. And uh, especially since uh, I had no, well, if you will, ambitions to win or anything, all I wanted to do was somehow live the pipe dream of maybe getting to participate which didn't even seem realistic. So yeah, by far that was, uh, that was one of the highlights. Uh, no, it was the highlight that goes without saying. And you've had, uh, you've won three titles, like I said, three different partners as well. First of which was Johnny Murray and you were both wild cards at Wimbledon. So you weren't expected to, to get that far. What made that win come? What, what happened? Was it just you got on a really good roll and excellent momentum? Yes, so we played a challenge a few weeks before and we played extremely well. In many ways, I think we might have played even better than we did in Wimbledon. But uh, we get along well, me and Johnny, and we always have. And at that, I think we also timed it in stages of our career where we were most ready and prepared to do our best uh, to, to play to the best version of ourselves. So we teamed up at that particular moment where we were the most likely to make that kind of result. And on top of that, we, uh, we, we felt comfortable with each other on the court. We were able to be the best versions of ourselves individually and, uh, and therefore also contributed to the best uh, version of ourselves as a team. So a lot of things went into, uh, into the equation. Uh, not much that we actively tried to work on it was just a natural fit for some reason it was just uh it just happened to be that everything clicked during those two weeks i listened to a podcast with kamal murray who coached sloan stevens to the u.s open title and he said to win a major everything has to go right oh absolutely there's so many tiny moments throughout the two weeks that can go either way and yeah, I think if you if you approach the situation with with a, with a good attitude, you have a better chance to make the, those uh, situations go your way. And we were really able to do that and get over the minor disappointments quickly as well. And goes without saying, you need a bit of luck. And we had definitely had a lot of that during during those two weeks. Uh, just getting to play together was lucky. So yeah, it it all went our way. If I if I. If I believed in that, those kind of things, I would say that it was meant to be. <laughs> well, it was probably meant to be that you beat the Bryans en route because not many teams beat the Bryan brothers, arguably the best men's doubles pair of all time. That must have been very satisfying. Yes, it's a, it's, I mean, when you win a tournament, it's always nice. But me personally, I always appreciate when you beat good opposition on the way. And beating arguably the best team in the, in the history of the game gives, gives the achievement more credibility. And it was an amazing experience. And it's not like we won easy. I think they won many more points than we did. Mm. But we just somehow got together at the end of the sets and made it happen for us. And doesn't doubles come down to that so much? 
doesn't it? It just comes down to those points. And especially on the grass, where it's uh, much more difficult to find the opportunities to break. It really does come back down to, to, to a few moments and it's best of five sets, but it, it really boils down to a few seconds here and there where, okay, now, now it's time to, to dial in, uh, which, makes, which, which gives it uh, a very, in my opinion, very interesting aspect. I mean, there's, there can be like half an hour where you're just kind of going through the motions and holding serve fairly comfortably and all of a sudden, okay, it's here and you got to be on and be able to take that opportunity. And I suppose that comes down to the mental side of the game, that on those big pressure points that every tennis player has to face. And you, it happens in every match, doesn't it? There's at least a few points that could go either way and just change the course. So mentally, how would you prepare for those big points? Absolutely. Any point at any time in a, in a match can, can have a, a significant impact on the match. Uh, in my opinion, I think the best thing you can do is have as many questions answered before you go onto court and uh, try to get in a situation where you don't have to make too many decisions in the heat of the moment. Because uh, if you're in the heat of the moment and you have high pulse, it's intense, you have 20 seconds between points, uh, you're a bit irrational, you might be a little bit annoyed or you might be a little bit on cloud nine because things are going well, or you can be, like I said, annoyed if it's not going well, that can impact your decisions and, and, and sway them in a in a more emotional way. And I think the more you get to prepare yourself before the match and make the decision as to what, what, what do I do in this situation? What do we do as a team in that situation? How are we going to approach uh, things if they're going like this or if they're going like that? So that uh, when you do hit those moments, you have prepared with a calm and collected uh, frame of mind instead of the heat of the moment where you can quickly lose sight of things. In singles, I would spend a lot of time, most of the time, focusing on myself and how to react to the various situations and, and try to make sure that I was uh, the, the best equipped to, to, to handle the situations that could get me out of my equilibrium, be that either two good situations or two bad situations. You're talking of singles, you were a good singles player, weren't you? I read every, uh, every year between 2005 and 2010, you won an ITF title. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I was definitely right. I had since I got on the stage as well for many years. I, I kept improving my ranking every year, slow, slowly but steadily. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty proud of my singles career. To be honest, uh, I was never a very promising junior. I was never anybody who uh, who um, looked like was going to make an impact in 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 the world of tennis. And I was able to to maintain a single career until uh, 2018 was my last year. And uh, I'm pretty proud of that and what I've achieved. And I've been able to represent my country in Davis Cup. Uh, I was fortunate enough to qualify for one Grand Slam. And uh, yeah, I've, uh, I've had a lot of great experiences uh, in my singles. That's, uh, that goes without saying. So obviously, I'm, I'm never going to claim that I was, you know, I had 190 was my best ranking, which is, is, is very decent. It's not top 100, it's not top 50. I was never a force uh, in, in the world of tennis, but uh, nothing ever looked like I was ever going to be. So, so I'm, I'm quite proud of my career. And is it the typical uh, fact that you moved to doubles and being a doubles specialist because you can't play singles qualies and also go deep in doubles draws? You just don't have the time? No, it wasn't. Uh, I was always... Uh, I was never really convinced that I was going to spend um, full-time doubles, uh, be full-time doubles. I never really... Uh, thought I was going to have the interest for it. Uh, I always wanted to play singles as much as possible. But then at the end of 2018, that's when they introduced uh, 
the transition tour instead of the futures tour and then the challenger tour became different and i was kind of caught in no man's land between thing between the transition tour and the challenger tour and couldn't really get in anywhere and 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 finally i i, I didn't have the motivation to to go on the tra- transition tour at that stage of my life so i finally decided that that was it and i i started playing doubles a little I had I, in 2018, I made semifinals of Wimbledon. So I had a lot of points to defend in July, which meant that I kind of had a good buffer to keep my ranking somewhat high enough to mm. play ATP tournaments. So uh, my wife moved to Denmark at the end of 18 and she was waiting for her residency permit and couldn't work until then. So, so we decided to use that ranking that I had to see the world and travel the world and uh, pick this, uh, the tournaments based on where we would like to go and see. And so, for example, I went to South America for the first time in my life and I had a really uh, random schedule because I, I was basically not making decisions based on my tennis, but more based on where it would be fun and where life would be good. And I, I mean, I didn't even think I was going to be playing after Wimbledon. I thought I was just going to keep going until Wimbledon and then, uh, uh, after I dropped my points from Wimbledon, I would be out of the, the ranking and that would be it. So we, we even scheduled our wedding during US Open. <laughs> so it's not like we had uh, we had a, an idea that was going to last or anything. And, and and after a few weeks, I was like, okay, th- th- this is a bit too touristy for me. Uh, I mean, I, I can't really justify this for myself. Either I do it or I don't. So So I just decided to make a bigger effort into playing we were still caught i mean we had made the schedule basically six months in advance so so we had that schedule to follow and we kept it but the tennis weeks i started to become a little more serious with the tennis and i was able to make some results and maintain a ranking after wimbledon and then i it just kind of kept going until then but it was never the plan for me to play full-time full-time doubles it was just i, I kind of stumbled into it because my ranking was still good and i was able to play the the slams we spoke to Rohan Bapana, who said uh, he started doing yoga to try and elongate his career. It's really helped his knees. Do you any, do anything like that for your fitness and your health? Actually, I got more and more professional. The more I, the older I got, I wasn't particularly professional. The first few years, it was all about tennis. I was all I wanted to do was hit tennis ball and play tennis on the court. Um, the last few years, I was much better doing the off court stuff, the boring stuff. So I spent a lot of time doing mobility. I wasn't hanging from curtains the same way Rohan does, <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, I did a lot of other stuff and, and I was much more uh, diligent with my rehab stuff and injury prevention stuff and my mobility stuff to make, my, make me more agile. And that definitely helped prolong my career. And I feel pretty good physically now, to be honest, uh, considering what I thought I was going to feel. But uh, no, I don't. I don't think I have the patience for yoga. Uh, I'll leave that to Rohan. <laughs> so what's next? Yeah, I would like to spend some more time with my family. Uh, I have a young kid now. Uh, I have a wife, an American wife in Denmark, who's uh, basically moved her life to a foreign country, and uh, it's time to uh, for her to uh, how to say uh, yeah that she's a little more in the front seat. I mean, it, it goes without saying that my career has been taken up a lot of time because I've been traveling so much. It's time to 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 make sure that uh, she gets much more the priority than I have been doing and get her really settled into Denmark. It's been difficult to settle because uh, 
when she first came in, we traveled a lot. And then obviously COVID caught the world and weren't really going out or seeing anything. Uh, and my kid is getting a little bit older and she's taking care of him. So I'm looking forward to that. And then uh, hopefully I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get a coaching gig in, uh, in Denmark somehow that, uh, that I'll enjoy. I presume that coaching job would be staying at an academy rather than traveling with a pro player. Oh, uh, we don't have academies in Denmark, but but they, I, I'm sure there will be a little bit of traveling, but mm. uh, but but we'll see what what it will lead to. Would be it uh, in federation or club or uh, I'm sure I'll find something, but uh, but yeah, I want to stay in tennis somehow. I I I I don't think I would be able to find something that I appreciate as much as being on the court. And I want to be on the court. I don't think I can be in tennis without being on the court. I've had a few, I wouldn't call it jobs, but assignments here and there where I was doing some stuff at some tournaments where I didn't have anything to do with the on-court. And I, I, I didn't appreciate that at all. <laughs> I, I don't want to be part of tennis without being on the court. And uh, of course, Danish tennis is really on the up, isn't it? You've got a couple of uh, young players, both on the, the WTA and the ATP, who are really coming to the fore. I don't know how we do it, but somehow <laughs> we're a small country. We we actually don't have an amazing infrastructure or have had consistent infrastructure throughout the years, but somehow we keep producing great players. Uh, I think it's a great credit to the players themselves. They've really done a good effort. Uh, go back to, uh, to, 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 to Caroline, number one in the world, one of the most uh, famous tennis players on the women's side the last few years. And now, like you say, we have Holger and Clara, who are both top 100, and it's really impressive. And it's it makes me proud from Denmark that we are able to produce good players uh, of, of the of the highest caliber. And, and I mean, I think it's uh, it's not the riskiest thing to say that that, that these players are going to be at the slams for the next many many years, mm. and that's really exciting for Danish tennis. And hopefully, we can build on that momentum and create an environment so that uh, more players will be able to uh, to make uh, make the jump up to, to professional tennis. And you mentioned Caroline Wozniacki, a player you played with in the Hopman Cup. Was that quite an experience? It was a great experience. <laughs> it was, uh, I got to be honest, when, when, when I found out that we were going to play, it obviously had nothing to do with me. Caroline just needed a partner. <laughs> uh, and the, the draw came out in September. And at that point, I was... I was not playing great. I was playing pretty poor. And I remember seeing the draw and I was literally thinking, how am I going to win games? <laughs> and uh, and when I got down there, the introduction was pretty funny because they were obviously world stars. They were introducing all the players and they were like Leighton Hewitt, former number one, Grand Slam champion, this and that. And this other player, number one, and this player, number one, and Slam champion and all that. And when it came to me, it was, you know, Freddie Mills and great <laughs> Great tennis pedigree was my introduction. So it, was a, it was very overwhelming, but it was a great experience. I had so much fun. Uh, Caroline is a good friend, and uh, she was uh, the best partner I could ask for. And uh, we did quite well. I, I felt that we should have done a little bit better and won the second match as well. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. And it was a great experience for me personally. Obviously, only thanks to Caroline that I was able to participate in, a, in an event like that. Yeah, and mixed doubles is an awful lot of pressure on the guy, isn't there? You've got to perform. And you talked about tennis pedigree. Uh, your grandfather, Kurt, was a very, very good tennis player. Made Wimbledon finals three times, twice in singles. And 
yeah, had a very good career. He was involved in tennis all his life. When he when he quit playing, he was a, a supervisor on the ATP tour, and and when he stopped that, he was doing commentary. Uh, he helped uh, organize the, the the Danish tour event, the Copenhagen Open, which was great for me as a kid. So I could grow up uh, every day of the week. He would pick me up from school and and take me straight to the tennis, and I would just hang out in the arena all day long watching tennis and getting a vibe for it all. And it was a great experience for me. And he opened some doors that I otherwise wouldn't have been able to go to, uh, go through, uh, such as uh, we went to Wimbledon a few times and. Yeah, if you're if you're a small kid who's a tennis fanatic, it was a it's a great little granddad to to have because uh, <laughs> it gave me some experiences that uh, that I'll cherish for the rest of my life. And your parents were both tennis players. Did they start you off at the age of three? Basically, I was on a training uh, a training group in my club, an under five training group they created because we were a few guys. Uh, but I was I was swinging a racket as soon as I could, playing against the wall, playing against everything. My mom was very good to play with me. She was a, yeah, she was a player. I mean, it's I wouldn't offend uh, offend anybody by saying that she were she wasn't the, the greatest hope of tennis the world has ever seen. My dad made one Davis Cup appearance, so we're actually three generations in a row with the uh, with Davis Cup players. Um, my 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 granddad on my mom's side used to play as well. So I was born into a tennis family. I grew up on the courts, and uh, I I don't remember a life without tennis, to be honest. So who was your coach growing up? Was it dad or granddad? No, 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 none of them. I, I, I re- that's one of the things I really appreciate about my, my family, uh, that even though there were a lot in tennis, they always let me do my thing with my coaches at the club and never got involved in an unhealthy way or too much. They had their, uh, their advice sometimes, but I was pretty good at knowing when to take it and when not to. And try to explain to my dad that the continental grip forehand is out of the game and uh, <laughs> he should just pipe down because the game has, has moved on from when he, he used to play and right now we can actually hit top spin. So, so maybe he should just uh, <laughs> sit back and, uh, and, and study the modern game before he gave me advice. Has your dad managed to change his continental grip to a semi-Western? No, he still hits. Still uh, he doesn't hit much, but it's still very, very flat. <laughs> I love it. It's very good. Um, so you, we've mentioned you've played with several partners. Uh, I know this is probably quite a tricky question, but if there's someone you could go back and play with, who would it be? Um, I would like to play with my friend Johan Brunström from Sweden again. Um, I, pl- I enjoyed playing with him. He might be the guy I played the most with. Mm. Uh, he's a good friend of mine, the best partner you can ask for. And I always feel like we had a little bit of unfulfilled potential in some of the tournaments. Um, and I feel like we we had a little bit more to give than we did. Uh, he's one of the guys I won a tour event with, so we are, we have that to look back on. But I just feel like we had a few chances in in some of the slams. Uh, one time in second round of Australian Open, we were playing extremely well, and and we were up six, up five three, and had a match point in the second round. And uh, I, I think uh, plus I always. I always enjoyed my time with him. He was the, he's honestly the, I've had a lot of good partners and I enjoy them all. Uh, mm. And, and Johan is right up there with the best of partners on and off the court, whatever do- you wanted to do on the court, he would be down with off the court, really easy to travel with. I don't remember ever being annoyed with him or, or, or feel like I needed a moment to myself and great in training, uh, he was always injured. That's the only thing. But apart from that, uh, 
he was uh, he was a he was a great guy to spend time with, and and I, and I think that uh, we we had a little bit more than we showed in some of the tournaments, and I also feel like some of the performances I had the last few years we played, maybe I I wish I could have performed a little bit better. So so maybe him, um, yeah, Johnny, I I had the slam with uh, mm-hmm. Tread Huey, Tread Huey, my good friend. Yeah, I think it would be Johan. Could you ever play good doubles and be successful with someone you didn't particularly like? I doubt it. I would. I, I. I don't think so because it meant a lot to me the chemistry between us, and I'm also a little bit um, a different player in the sense I'm. I, I like to be flashy. I like to go for maybe some more fun stuff than efficient stuff, and for that to be to 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 be the most effective. I need to feel really comfortable with myself and with my partner and feel like I can I can be that uh, side of myself without my partner getting annoyed. Uh, and the, the times I've enjoyed playing doubles the most, I've had partners that had understanding for that and uh, and uh, allowed me to be me and, and took me for with, with my best and my worst sides without making me feel, feel bad about myself. Uh, so um, uh, I, I, I really doubt it. Plus... One of the best things for me is to be able to share a victory with somebody. And I would much rather lose a match with one of the guys that I really enjoy playing with than winning with somebody I don't enjoy. That's mm. pretty much been... I'm, I've, uh, I know I said at the beginning I started to, in, to enjoy winning a little bit more at the, at, uh, in the start of the of conversation, but winning has never been... Of a, a motivator for me, it's been something that I enjoy more and more. But it's I, it's never been winning at every cost. It's been more, I've been more process orientated. I prefer the the way I go about my stuff and the way I approach my game and the way we play together much more than than the outcome of it. And yeah, just winning for the sake of winning is not appealing to me. Hmm. That's quite unusual for a professional sportsman. Would you say that comes from your family or it's just inherent? It's just within you. I think it it comes from me personally. I think it. Uh, I think there's a lot of my mom's uh, heritage uh, in that because she was very much her own person and she just did what she did uh, whenever. She made a lot of strange decisions in her life, but she didn't really. <laughs> she wasn't really bothered. She did it because she she felt like it. Um, maybe it, it's also because I was never really good, mm. so I didn't grow up being a good player. I never grew up winning, so maybe that's why I was able to just really uh, feed the enjoyment of tennis all the time. I was never really corrupted by by the race of winning because there was never a hidden agenda. It was just all about enjoying tennis. And I never really lost track of that. Uh, maybe it's maybe it helped me back. Maybe it didn't, maybe it prevented me from getting better. But at the same time, maybe it also made me better than I was supposed to be. So who knows? Uh, all I know is that I've... Uh, I still enjoy that way of thinking and I appreciate that way a lot better. And I would much rather take the results that come this way, be it good or bad, than to sacrifice this for, for an outcome that at the end of the day is very short lasting. Well, it's been a fabulous career, hasn't it? You must uh, look back with amazing memories and there's a lot to look forward to as well. Yeah, I mean, it's quite interesting. In 19 and a half years on tour, when I started out playing, I didn't even know that it was possible to be professional for me. I was not very good. It was my mom who kind of encouraged me and started the idea, why don't you just go pro and, and play some tournaments? And I, 
I thought that I was too bad for it, but but I still did it, and I was like, oh wow, I can play some international tournaments, and uh, the thought of winning one ATP point was, I mean, completely unrealistic to me. I was laughing at it. I remember my coach telling me a story that, that maybe I could get some 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 German clubs uh, when when I get my first ATP point. And I was just laughing. First ATP point? How am I gonna get an ATP point? So when I think back on how my career started out just laughing at the thought of, of getting one ATP point and still being here, then obviously I got much, much more than, than, than I thought I was going to be able to. And I've loved every second of it. It's been amazing. The, the, the tennis life has been great to me. If I hadn't been traveling for tennis, I wouldn't have met my wife either. I, I made some friends for life and I've seen the world. I've seen every kind of human being, young, old, different religions, different aspects of life. And, it's been a great life. I really, I really enjoyed it. And you're a Wimbledon champion. I mean, how about that? Not many people get to say that. No, that's pretty wild. <laughs> I have to admit, it's it's pretty wild. And uh, and also, it, it from a little uh, vanity point of view, I do appreciate the fact that my best result is something that that is actually a title or something that is easy to understand. It's it can be difficult to explain why qualifying for the Australian Open was my best result, you know, and losing in the first round. But uh, but but having a, a nice result like this, it 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 definitely gives me something to be happy about. And subsequently, it made it allowed me to play all the big tournaments in the world that I was only dreaming of playing, uh, and I never thought I was going to be have the, be able to have the chance to play like all the slams, the Masters series, and all that. So. I really saw it all from futures to master series to slams and everything. And I wouldn't have had it any other way. Does it still sound lovely when someone says Freddie Nielsen, Wimbledon doubles champion? It's nice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not a bad thing, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm, it just, every time I hear it, I'm just getting thrown back to a great time of my life. It was so much fun with a great guy and Johnny and it definitely did a lot for my life that that goes without saying so yeah if that's uh it's not like it's definitely better than uh than uh, uh future f7 winner <laughs> that's a very good trip well freddie thank you so much wimbledon champion that was a great interview thanks so much for chatting with us no uh, you got it thanks for having me